Hey everybody, welcome to Offscript. This is a podcast by Christ Fellowship Northwest with our pastors, Daniel and Robert. It's our hope that this can provide you with an educational and edifying listening experience during your week. Guys, how we doing? I'm doing, I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. How are you, Daniel? I am, I'm also doing very well. Very, very well, well. Yes. Very well. What, what's, uh, what has made this day very good? Uh, Wednesday, we have staff planning day. So today I was looking at calendars and budgets all day. That makes perfect and sense. And I thrive in that world. Yes, so, you do. Yes, you do. You're like a kid uh, in the candy store when it yes. comes to calendars yes. and schedules and yes. plans. I know what we're doing on October the 23rd. Do you? What are we yes. doing on October the 23rd? Uh, we are planning what we're going to do on December the 23rd. Shut <laughs> 24th. Up. Oh Christmas my. Eve service. Oh, my goodness. Now, I am looking forward to that. The Christmas Eve service is going to be is going to be a blast. Well, we are not going to talk about the Christmas Eve service today on the podcast. Uh, we want to we want to talk about um, something related to a sermon that was preached uh, last Sunday at Christ Fellowship Northwest. Uh, if you're if you're kind of just uh, joining us or you're you're new to our church and to the podcast, we are in part two of a uh, of a sermon series through the Book of Numbers, and one of our pastoral residents uh, actually got the opportunity on Sunday to uh, to preach. Uh, his name is uh, Danny C., and Danny has been uh, serving with our church for several years now and just just did a stellar job handling the text and applying it well. And his passage was uh, Numbers chapter 12 and uh, another uh, cycle of rebellion of God's people against him. And specifically, the, the rebellion was kind of led by two very prominent figures, within the story of God's people's wandering in the wilderness, uh, Aaron and Miriam. And Miriam is Moses' sister. Uh, Aaron is Moses' brother. And uh, these two actually kind of rise up together. Danny made the point on Sunday that uh, Miriam kind of led the charge in that effort, but actually kind of rise up and rebel against Moses, this uh, leader that God has called out and is uh, who God speaks to. Uh, for the sake of the people and the one who's leading uh, the people through their their wilderness wandering, and so just did a just did a stellar job of of preaching the text well, honoring the text, and applying the sermon. And so we we want to kind of riff off of that today with this with this question of of how do you relate to uh, the leaders in your church? How do you relate to? to your pastors. And so, uh, Daniel, I thought we might reflect a little bit on, um, on Danny's sermon and some of the kind of the application points that he drew. Anything kind of just stand out to you from, from his sermon and the different points of application that he made? Uh, I think he did. Uh, I sent him some, some notes today just commending him on the good uh, job that he did in handling the, handling the text. Um, it was. I'm sure it's a weird place to be in as a pastoral resident no trying doubt. to speak on no doubt uh, congregation's submission to authority. But I thought he did a great job. I was thankful that um, the the attitude in the heart. I've been in situations where that's a contentious topic, um, the contentious relationship between uh, the people of God and the men and the leaders God's placed them placed there. And it was just a. It was good from the sermon just to the prayer time we had at the end of the service for us as pastors, um, just the sweet spirit, uh, more of an enjoyment of the relationship the way it's supposed to be versus um, kind of correctiveness or, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be. We need to look like this. It was more of, hey, this is 
this is why we are the way that we are because we believe these things we believe god's put people in authority and there's a good it's good that we relate to each other in these ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you said it that way. I had the exact same thought as I was sitting in the, the seats, just uh, thought to myself, like, like this is the way that God intended the church uh, to function, right? That uh, the pastors are, are leading the church. They're not doing it imperfectly. They're, they are sinners just like everyone else there, but nonetheless, they're those that, that God has called to lead, and the church is willingly and joyfully submitting to them. And there's this, this beautiful relationship of give and take that, that I think was just really, uh, really beautifully pictured on Sunday and was really encouraging to me. Kind of the, the thing that, that I wrote down from, from one of his points of applications that I found really meaningful was just this idea that there's a right and wrong way to both wield and respond to authority, right? It it would have been, I think it would have been really easy with that passage to really focus on uh, really Miriam and, and Aaron and the way that they responded to, uh, the way that they were responding to the authority figure kind of in their, in their context. And Danny was able to, to really show that, that the sword kind of cuts both ways, right? That Moses had, had a responsibility for the way that he wielded his authority just as much as, as Miriam and Aaron did in, in responding to it, and so uh, th- that got me to thinking. Right, that got me to thinking as we were as we were sitting in that in that service and 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 hearing Danny preach. Just this question: How? What is the proper way to relate to pastors? How do I relate to pastors? So I thought um, I, I thought I might kind of kick us off here a little bit with uh, with a question. What, can you give me a good experience, Daniel, that you have outside of our church? A good experience of you and your relationship with your your pastor a good experience do you have one off the top of your head maybe uh, as a whole i mean the last pastor i served under yeah uh ken forster yeah uh was a was a great experience a learning experience uh but he he really taught me what it meant to uh, have authority but to use that authority to to serve, promote, lift up the people that he was over. And um, really, God used him very influentially to kind of help me rethink the way I saw my own authority, um, the way that I think in the scriptures it talks about being domineering in authority uh, as a way we're not supposed to be, but I'm supposed to take this authority and the resources and the, uh, the, the, we might use the word power, but the authority I have to make things happen and to make things happen for the good of the people. Um, versus seeing the people as a way to serve my end, and, uh, an extension of my will, my power, my authority. Uh, and I really saw that uh, through the leadership of Ken. He, he, he demonstrated what it means to come into the office, fulfill his role in a way that serves the people that were under him. And so for me, it was a great, uh, it was a joy to be serving underneath someone with that kind of authority. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I, I've had I've had several good experiences as well. Being uh, not being a pastor, but kind of church member to pastor. But uh, you know, I've also had some bad experiences, right? I've also seen kind of uh, how the the pastoral office, the office of elder, the way that we would talk about it at Christ Fellowship Northwest, can be used in a very ungodly and an unbiblical way. Uh, in a way where authority and power is lorded over the people, where it's wielded in a very um, in a very hurtful way, where almost almost as if the the pastor kind of sees himself as as a dictator, and kind of it's his way or the highway kind of thing. And uh, 
Um, and, and so I've, I've experienced that and know just how damaging that can be and how hurtful that can be to people. And so uh, I think it has left me with a, uh, with a really kind of sensitive spirit to that and not wanting to take advantage of uh, this authority and position that, that God has given me, that God has given us. At, at Christ Fellowship, I thought I thought it might be good just for the sake of our listeners, just to reflect a little bit on First Timothy three, right? Uh, the, the thing about being a pastor, right, is that this uh, this this calling does not does not come without qualifications, right? So if I if I take a look at um, at First Timothy three, right, Paul writes, "This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires." A noble task, like this is a this is a high and lofty thing to desire to. But then he follows that up with some really steep, really uh, really difficult qualifications. An overseer or a, a pastor, an elder, he must be above above reproach, right? So, um, you and I need to be setting the example, right, uh, Daniel, at Christ Fellowship Northwest as as men of righteousness and. Uh, men who seek after God and seek after Christ. Uh, we're to be above reproach. We're to be the, the husband of, of one wife, right? Uh, sort of uh, singular in our pursuit of our wives. I've often heard this kind of translated a one-woman man, right? Uh, one who is fully devoted to his wife as an example to the other believers. Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, I don't think every pastor, um, every pastor has to teach all of the time. But it, it seems really clear there in First Timothy three that that the ability to teach is a is a qualification. I don't think that necessarily means that uh, that you have to be the guy preaching um, on Sunday morning. The ability to teach can go different ways. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his house own household well. I think over the years, this is the one that has just really struck me the hardest. This is the only profession that I know of, and you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but this is the only profession I know of that that my family and the way that I lead my family can actually like disqualify me, can actually like cost me my job. I cannot think of any others. I can think of any others where that's the case, uh, where if if I do something that is dishonoring to the Lord and the way that he has called us to live as followers of Christ, that I can actually lose my job. Uh, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children uh, submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, he will not. Uh, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up. For seven is always difficult. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders. Our reputation to the outside world matters and is a qualification for uh, for being a, a pastor. So there's this, this calling to the office of pastor that is really high and lofty, and it comes with all of these uh, qualifications that, that go along with it. And and indeed, I think sometimes that makes it um, sort of this office that we hold. I think it, I think it makes it difficult for, for folks to, uh, especially if you don't have a background in the church, to know quite how to uh, relate to the guy who's on stage every Sunday, to the guy that's up there behind the pulpit preaching, to the guy that you're going to see for, for biblical counseling. And so as, I, as I've been thinking about that this week and thinking about how, like, how, how do I want to serve our church in helping them think through this? I came across a, a Gospel Coalition article that um, that really just, I think, uh, it really captured 
uh, Christ Fellowship Northwest, our church's heart for for you and I, Daniel. And uh, and so what what I want to do for the last little bit here in our in our episode is just kind of just kind of talk about some of the things um, that the writer of this article mentions. We're actually going to have in the show notes to this episode. We're actually going to have a link to this Gospel Coalition article that you can go check it out uh, for yourselves and uh, later and, and kind of even get some more, uh, more kind of information about uh, the things that, that we're talking about. But the, the article is called Four Ways to Love Your Pastor. And I want to be really clear about what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. Uh, we believe, Daniel and I believe, that uh, we have the greatest jobs in the world, that, uh, that our church does the things that we're talking about, we're going to talk about in the next few minutes, really really well. And so we, we really want to just hold up our congregation as an example for, uh, uh, for the ways that uh, a congregation that cares for, loves, and submits to their elders can do it and, and do it well. So, so Christ Fellowship at Northwest, if you're, if you're listening to this, right, this is, uh, this is kind of a Daniel and Robert kind of giving you a pat on the back here for the next few minutes. Uh, one of the things that, that she says uh, in terms of one of the four ways that you can love your pastors is to esteem and, and encourage your pastor's labor. Uh, can you give us some examples about how kind of our congregation is doing this for us, Daniel? Uh, one that always is uh, a blessing to me is when you get a text on Monday or so that is like, hey, the as you were preaching, like this is what God was doing in my mind and in my heart. And so um, the thing that we give our most... Uh, most of our time too is preaching, um, especially the week that we are preaching. Um, we 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 protect that as pastors that the guy who's preaching has uh, a, a good allotted amount as much time as he needs to prepare for Sunday, and uh, but a lot of times that the fruit of that labor is unseen. So you get up and you 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 feel like you're being faithful to what God's called you to do, but there's no we can't see what's going on in your heart, right? We don't know what's going on in your head. We don't know the sin God is exposing or the encouragement that you're you're getting from the Holy Spirit through the word and so um, anytime for me that's one of the best ways um, not not a pat on the back like hey you're the best preacher ever but just a hey the truth that was spoken helped me in this way Uh, and our people do that our people do that at least my experiences our people do that do that well absolutely I so I've been I've been working through first Thessalonians in the mornings just kind of in my own devotional time and so I've I've come almost to the end, and uh, I got to this passage that, that uh, the writer here references in this article, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. I, I want to read it to you. It says, We ask you, brothers, this is Paul writing to the, to the Thessalonian church, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Uh, and it, it reminded me, like, so often, especially with Paul's letters, we, we often forget about those kind of uh, instructions and greetings to people at the end of those letters and just how jam-packed they are with, with truth, as all the Bible is. But this, this passage just really kind of, uh, really kind of uh, struck in my heart. Just uh, This is the very thing that, that I think our people do. Uh, when they're esteeming and encouraging us, right? They're, they're seeing our the pastors and the other leaders in the church, their labor among them, and they are esteeming us very highly and loving us because of our work. Because ultimately, our desire is to serve the body, right? That's, that's what God has called us to do. And so 
uh, yeah, we we have an incredible congregation that that esteems and encourages us well. The, the second thing that uh, that she mentions here is is to show him patience. Show him patience. Any examples you think of where our congregation has shown us patience? Um, <laughs> when we stand up and say we're going to do this thing oh, yeah, two months great. from now, oh, that's great. and then that thing actually gets canceled or doesn't ever happen. Guys, um, you have no idea how often Daniel reminds us as a staff of this. Guys, we said we were going to do this. Yes. It's yes. incredible. God never does that. No one ever has that experience of God. You you are not wrong. So we're striving after God-likeness. We're yes. reflecting the character of God. Yes, we But sometimes are. we fall way short. So we are thankful for your patience as we try to make plans, but God continues to direct our steps, or we, we do not execute well, right, as young guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think about, like, I think about some really kind of specific things, like just down to the little, like, uh, the the annoying uh, grammar mistakes that uh, can tend sometimes to plague our documents that we put out, and how gracious some of you are with us with that, and and helping us fix those things. That's really small and seemingly insignificant, but uh, has been really helpful to me over the over the the last few years as as we've been uh, working as a working together as a as a church. I, there's a hundred different ways that I think uh, we could point to that that our congregation shows us pa- patience as young leaders and the way that they they bear with us and uh, and and just our our patient uh, and long suffering with our leadership as, as young dudes. Third, she says, "Forgive your pastor's sin. Forgive your pastor's sin." Now, hold up. I thought the pastor didn't sin. Right, he is the paid holy man. Right, what what is this about? Some of us do. Oh, some of us. <laughs> there it was. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Forgive your pastor's sin. Right? Have you ever experienced this as a pastor, Daniel? Have I ever been forgiven for sin? Do, do, is there an example? Yeah, you're right. I should clarify that a little bit. So, like, can you think of an example that you're willing to share? Right, where like you've done something that like could be explained as sinful. Right. And a congregant has come along, and you've offended a congregant, right, in this sin, and forgiveness has been extended. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the— You don't I have look, to give details. That's if fine. I look back, the, the, thing, the way I probably sin the most is with my mouth. So saying something sarcastic or dismissive or to wound somebody else by talking of them uh, and having to go back and say, look, I should have never— that should have never come out, right? Uh, that should not. I think that's, if I look back, that's when I think of people bearing with me, it's either in the things that I, I said or that I didn't say, right? And so um, sometimes it's just neglect. Like I haven't followed up with somebody. I haven't reached back out to them like I should have. Or I haven't uh, answered their text message, right? They reached out in need and it got put on the back burner and, never got they never got the attention that a loving pastor should have given um and so that that was the the thing that came to my mind for myself is like i am notorious for that of people there's going to be some folks that listen to this podcast they're going to amen that that you send me a a a text message and it just gets lost amen yeah there it is in a sea of of other communication and unintentionally, but I would argue quite sinfully, like I, I, I don't respond and I don't address that specific need that, 
that maybe uh, well, it's a need. So it was it was super important to whoever sent it, and so uh, yeah, I, and I have been extended forgiveness for that many many times. So forgive your pastor's sin. Fourth, respect your pastor's uh, leadership. Respect your pastor's leadership. I think this one's huge uh, in a in a world where um, if you don't like the way your pastor leads, there's a thousand other pastors that you can get on your phone or on your iPad or whatever that are probably way better leaders than your pastor, at least way better leaders than these two pastors, right? Respecting the pastor of the church where God has called you is huge. Any examples of this that come to mind of how Christ Fellowship Northwest does this well? Yeah, I mean, I think that you see this whenever you have a good conversation with somebody and they're really struggling with why are we doing it the way that we're doing it? Why are you asking us to go about it in this way? And um, for some reason, you can't get on the same page. It's not a matter of uh, hostility, but it's just a matter of, like, I see it this way. I know you see it that way. And rather than arguing for it the next five hours, like being able to say, hey, it's okay that we disagree, but you're you're leading, and so we're going to go that direction. We're going to go with you, even though I'm not sure why we're doing it that way. And uh, that's been extended to me often. So uh, I'm very appreciative because a lot of times uh, I have to admit that it may not be the best way, but at least that's the way I feel like we should be chasing after it in this time. And so our people have a very much, uh, especially the guys I think that lead our MCs, um, they they are willing to have honest conversation about what they're thinking and how they're feeling, um, but they do a good job of also uh, walking away from there going, we're going to run the play, at least the best that we can, um, and chase after what you're leading us to chase after, even though that might not be the way that we would do it. And yeah. I think that's a great example of what it means to kind of respect that place. God's put them there. They're holding that responsibility. So we're going to go their route because they're going to stand for God and for the direction we went, not not me. So, Yeah, she, she writes in here kind of the one-liner. It's because we trust the good shepherd that we respect the pastoral shepherds he places over us. And uh, I, there's just a myriad of ways that, that, I have, that I have experienced firsthand the way Christ Fellowship Northwest extends that, that respect to us. We, uh, we are... Um, <laughs> We are fallible men who make mistakes often, and uh, to be quite honest, it's, it's, it's kind of overwhelming and staggering sometimes the extent of grace that is shown to us by uh, men and women in, in our church who, uh, who are very wise and are very good leaders, and so we're, we're grateful. I, I thought as we kind of wrap things up here, and I, di- I didn't, I didn't uh, prep Daniel for this, so I'm about to kind of throw him a curveball, which, by the way, guys, he loves it when I throw him curveballs. Absolutely. I love things that are unplanned. He loves things that are it's unplanned. your favorite thing, Mr. But, Pastor Calendar. Yes. Yeah, but the thing that I thought that, uh, that I would just kind of throw in here the last, and maybe we'll do a podcast on this in the future. I don't, I don't know, but just kind of a, a little teaser thing maybe about this is like, how can we think about this with our wives, with pastors' wives? What are some things, just off the top of your head, um, ways that, that, that our church really do a good job of encouraging our wives, pastors' wives? Um, how do they do a good job? I can only speak from my Absolutely. I- experience. Absolutely, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we've got, uh, I'm very thankful that there are women within our church that my wife is very close to. So sure. there are a few women within our church. Um, 
we wish that we could be as close to everybody in the same way, but you can't. It's just not possible. And God has allowed for uh, my wife to be able to be very close to a few people. Um, and I watch her serve many, but she has at least some relationships that uh, she can be open and honest with. And they, they pretty much get a, a full view into our into our family through uh, my wife to kind of walk alongside. And um, even though everybody is not doing that with my wife as the church, there are women who are taking care of and ministering to her in that way. Um, that is probably more valuable than anything else that, that can happen. My there were places in our ministry in the past where you were almost strangers in the church. Uh, everybody was looking at you from a distance. It seemed very uh, judged, right, and lacking that any kind of intimacy within the church. And for a church that has moved into our family, um, even through a few, and not everybody, but through a few, um, my wife has served. I believe she served well um, through through that. So. Yeah, I, I just think about all the times over the years that, you know, people have come alongside, uh, not just J- Julie, but also Julie and I, you know, on a Sunday morning to help with our kids. I'm on stage doing something. Someone will wrangle one of my boys because Julie's busy serving in some other area or uh, the kind uh, the kind text messages or phone calls, the, the cards that we get from time to time. Uh, there is a there is a sense I I think from our congregation that that our people recognize kind of the kind of the unique position that our wives are in as as pastors' wives and that they go above and beyond to show them grace and love and mercy and so um, just just grateful for that all, all in all. Uh, serving at Christ Fellowship Northwest is is a joy. It's a it's a great it's a great job, and we're excited about the future and excited about what God is going to do uh, through our church as we seek to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches from the Upstate of South Carolina to to the ends of the earth. I uh, hope you uh, hope you've enjoyed and uh, and been encouraged by uh, by listening today. And uh, we look forward to the next time uh, that we will uh, we'll be with you again on the Offscript podcast. See you soon.